Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode of Reach is brought to you by our sponsor, Jackie, another secret weapon that executive assistants and women who do it all need to know about. You guys all know that feeling, right? Staring at your closet and thinking to yourself, I have so many clothes and yet nothing to wear. That is why Jackie is here. Jackie is a high-end boutique subscription styling service that you apply to join. What I love about Jackie is you get to develop a relationship with your stylist. Your stylist is someone you can text or call or email with specific wardrobe needs or ideas you have. Or maybe there's an upcoming event or trip or meeting or even a wedding that your ex is going to be at that you really, really, really want to look fantastic for. Those are exactly the types of scenarios a Jackie subscription can help with. Each box from Jackie is filled with high quality clothing and accessories. Jackie is here to help all of us embrace our style and our confidence. This is subscription styling done right for the women who do it all. So apply to join Jackie and fall in love with your style this year. Visit shopjackie.com to apply to join and be sure to tell your stylist Maven sent you with code MAVEN20 for 20% off all the items kept in your first box. Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, and welcome back to Reach. I am your host, Jessica Van, founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group. This is part one of a two-part series. And the reason we're splitting this into two parts is because there was just too much rich, exciting content provided by our guest, LJ Cohen, that we wanted to make sure, one, we weren't shorting you on any of the juicy nuggets of wisdom she shares, and two, so you have time to actually sit with and process today's episode before tuning in for part two. So we have the privilege of having LJ Cohen as our guest on today's episode. Welcome, LJ. Thank you, Jessica. I'm excited to join. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. So we had the pleasure of placing you in your current role, where you support the partners of Uncork Capital, previously known as SoftTech VC, in what is a fully remote capacity. And today we're going to be hearing from you firsthand about what it's like to actually be a remote executive assistant. So I know a lot of executive assistants out there, you know, could be pondering the thought of going remote. And our hope is that by the end of today's episode, you'll have a clearer sense as to whether a remote position is for you or not. But before we jump in, I wanted to share a little bit about LJ's impressive EA background. So for all of you design aficionados out there, uh, LJ was formerly the executive assistant to the CEO of House for over three years. And prior to that, she was at Yahoo, where she supported the chief development officer for two and a half years. And before that, she supported the CEO of a San Francisco tech incubator for nearly nine years. So if anyone can do this job in her sleep, it's this lady. Uh, (laughs) So again, super excited. Oh, and I wanted to add too, this is our first episode actually uh, recording 
remotely. So typically our guests are actually in studio with us and we're locking eyes and, you know, waving hands and gesticulating and doing all that kind of stuff. And today you and I are actually doing this as a remote uh, recording, speaking about remote work. So I feel like this is just like a super meta moment that we're having right now, um, but also so appropriate for our for our topic. Absolutely. Yeah, this is what it's like day in, day out. Yeah. So you're you're super comfortable with this. I'm getting used to it. <laughs> but you're, you will lead the way for me, I'm sure. Um, so to get us started, I would love to hear from you. Um, what made you decide to go remote in the first place? So it actually is something that I had been hearing about some tech companies, um, you know, going completely remote for different positions. And it hadn't been something I had really considered because for most of my career, Um, I've always been actually on the other end of the spectrum, which is an incredibly physically present personal assistant and executive assistant where I would spend time both in the office and then also in my executive's homes managing their estate. So Mm -hmm. there really wasn't that opportunity to be remote and offsite. Um, it was oftentimes a you know twenty four seven availability. Um, and so when we had our last baby, and then also my husband had a job opportunity in another state, mm-hmm. I decided to reach out actually to Maven and. Um, just see what was out there impossible because one of the things that I did recognize about myself is I knew I could get a local job where we were moving, but I really wanted to keep my foot in the Silicon Valley entrepreneur and tech. And I mean, just everything that happens in the Valley. And so I figured I'd put myself out there and see what would be possible, who would be hiring um, that really understood how much I loved continuing to support that type of industry. Well, and not to mention that there's obviously a a financial component too. I mean, if you're looking to maintain a certain salary level, um, that can be very hard to accomplish when you're, you know, outside of the Bay Area. Um, So there's definitely a a compelling, you know, component there too. Yes, definitely. And uh, thankfully, it ended up working out where Um, all of those things came together throughout the different interviews. And it was funny because I remember the conversation when I spoke to the recruiters, um, which was, we generally don't get any remote Mm -hmm. opportunities. And all of a sudden, I've got three. And so it really did just feel like the industry was going towards that direction Mm -hmm. at the right time Mm -hmm. that it was, I needed to go in that direction. So I was excited to get that feedback, but then also it was a hard leap to just put myself out there and say, this is something I've never done before. What does this look like? Absolutely. And, and that's, I think, uh, part of the conversation that we're going to have today is just what that transition looks like and some of the adjustments that you had to go through to, to make that work. But I, I think it's really interesting, too, like, you know, just having been in this business for, you know, a while now, um, just the the popularity of remote positions and the frequency that they're coming up in discussion has really, really increased. Um, I mean, you just made, made the point as well that you had three opportunities. And I think it's really interesting because I think it's sort of like this convergence of, you know, there's, there's obviously um, some real estate factors, right, with space and and cost of space and all these types of things at a real premium. And then just, I think, like the real mind, like a, a real shift in the mindset of the executives who are um, leading organizations today. Like, I feel like there's a lot more um, reliance on technology and things like this, and a lot more of a willingness to kind of like think more broadly and more. Um, 
disruptively about kind of the traditional work structure. Um, so it's it's really Absolutely. interesting, you know, and it that just the, the popularity. Um, yes, yeah, that is definitely for sure, and the that's been one of the I think biggest realizations for me as I've. Um, prepped for this podcast as to what made it a success was going back to a conversation that I had about a year before all of this happened with a very good friend of mine who's also a recruiter, just talking about kind of that dream situation. Mm -hmm. And it's something that she and I have practiced. She and I were on a panel at Yahoo, you know, five years ago for the executive assistants. Um, and during that panel, we were talking about how do you know when you're going to make a transition? How do you know it's the right transition? What should you be asking in interviews? And one of the things that kept coming up again and again for an EA in a position to be a mentor is to encourage other EAs to know yourself, Mm -hmm. to, to know what you love to do. To know what you don't like to do, to know what makes you excited to go into work. But the interesting thing about going remote is you have to ask those questions on the other end as well. Because I feel like a lot of the companies that I interviewed with during the process, even though they felt like they could have some of those benefits, which is, oh, great, I don't need another um, you know, seat. I don't need another desk for somebody. We'll sure. save on the lunches every day. Yep. You need to really dive in during the interviews as to what does this look like in their mind? Yeah. What is their expectation? And what are their personalities, pet peeves, and tolerances for the things that are just a natural part of not being there? Right. That's an excellent point. So, so what types of questions did you ask of your prospective employer, you know, in the interview process to feel that out? Sure. Well, the very first thing was I listened to their pitch of the job description. And this is something that I've, I've honed over my career as to kind of pick out the things that they're highlighting. If they're constantly talking about reliability, um, being the backstop when things go south, fire drills, how do you handle extreme situations, mm. how do you handle last-minute requests, then that is really what they need from somebody versus mm-hmm. if they're like, well, how do you feel about events? How do you handle you know, large groups? How do you handle managing an admin team? Again, because they're asking about it, that is their focus and really what's the priority in what they're looking for. So the first thing that I always do is listen, Mm -hmm. listen to how they're describing what it is that they would like you to do. Um, And then from there, tailor it to what I knew were the things that I loved. So one of the things that I would take as the next step would be to then figure out what it is about what they just said Mm -hmm. that actually resonates with my skill set, what I love about my job. So that's why having that, you know, internal evaluation before you even go into your interviews as to, I really hate doing events. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 that's not my thing. Whereas I know a lot of executive assistants that I've met with in my um, previous career, they love events. They can't stand calendaring. Mm-hmm. Like it is just the worst thing 
in their day. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the remote role, I recognized that a lot of the things that the companies were asking for was the calendar management, that attention to detail, making sure that every single entry in the calendar is exactly as it needs to be, that you've thought about what happens before, what happens after. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. Mm-hmm. And so as I started going through the different interviews, there was a company that they started talking about how much they really wanted to pilot this new program of doing on-site dinners and bringing founders together. And it sounded amazing. I started to get really excited about it. And then I realized the logistics of doing that remote mm-hmm. was probably not going to work. And I don't think they had thought through that. Right. Um, so that was something that I, I dug in with them. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, great. Well, then how does this work when I'm here? How does this work when people don't show up? How does this work when a caterer just decides to not bring a whole entree? Like, I'm not there. Who's my backstop for that? And they they didn't have a plan for that. And they also didn't really want one. Um, And so then I moved on to the next interviews. And the reason why specifically I chose the position at Uncork um, is because it was a fantastic first interview with one of the most amazing um, directors of operations that I've ever met. She had a plan for all of this. It was, okay, I need you to do this. Yep. I need the person in the office they're going to handle this. The partners do this. And she really had everything compartmentalized which in a remote role is super so important. important. Yeah. You need yeah. to know who's doing what. Yep. Well, it sounds like there was a real awareness on their end uh, as well as on your end as to the types of activities that can be um, more easily uh, relegated to a remote realm versus things that just physically require your presence. And absolutely, I think when there's real, like, uh, clear awareness and and discussion and buy-in on both ends, that allows it to be more productive, right? And, and just like, just being realistic. So that's, that's really good. I was, I'm, I'm glad that you touched on that, because I was also wondering, as you were speaking, like, well, what would have been the concerns, for instance, that the employer would have said that would have flagged for you and where you would have said, you know, gee, I just don't think that that's going to fit. And it sounds like for you, a lot of it was like things around the event component and supporting, you know, event management and on-site um, kind of logistics and things like that. Absolutely. And and it was funny because one of my previous roles, a big factor for my executive was setting up video conferences mm-hmm. and greeting guests and making sure that they were where they needed to be at that time. And that's a huge part of an EA role. Um, no matter what level of the company you're at is you're responsible for your executives guests. Yep. And so because it was <laughs> the video conference never worked, <laughs> it just <laughs> would never connect. It would, uh, you know, the conference room was constantly breaking. IT was never where we could find them. Um, and it was, it, it didn't matter what plan you put in place. It was always a stressor because it was my job while I was also doing a lot of other things. And so I, that was one thing that I knew coming into it, which was, Hey, what is your tolerance for zoom? Not connecting? Mm -hmm. What is your tolerance? And that's really, you can't say this is never going to happen or it's always going to work perfectly. It's really, what is your tolerance for that momentary delay? 
the nice thing about it at my current position is that they're all number one, very tech savvy, which mm-hmm. is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also used to being very independent and setting things up on their own. And so there's that. But then I also have our office manager who she and I connect throughout the whole day, which is, hey, you know, this person has decided that they're going to join remotely. So we're going to move it into this conference room. I just added a Zoom link into lots and lots of communication with her so that she knows it's going to happen that way. Yeah. Yeah. One of the challenges on that regard is the fact that if all of a sudden, and this happened just last week, everybody on a board meeting decided they were going to dial in remotely. I didn't know that because I'm not there. Mm. I had no idea that people weren't showing up Mm -hmm. and, you Mm -hmm. know, and so what do you do in that situation? The answer is you need really independent executives. They're like, Hey, I got it. I threw the zoom on there. We're good to go. Um, Because sometimes it takes longer to have it funnel through your executive assistant anyway. And how did you assess that going back to the questions that you asked in the interview phase? You know, how did you assess that independence factor of these partners that you would be supporting? During the interview process, um, when I went in and I met with them face to face before we moved, I had my list of questions, which was, how do you prefer to handle your travel? How do you prefer to handle if something goes wrong with your travel? Um, What do you do with video conferences so that I could get an understanding of what they were currently doing? Mm -hmm. But then I would also ask them their pain points. If you could change anything, what would you change? What would you like to see happen differently? If I came into this role, what are some of the first things that you would like to have happen differently? Or what is currently working really, really well? And the way that your uh, interviewer will respond to those questions really, really helps you understand the type of support that you're going to be able to give. And so those are the answers that they gave. For one of the executives, it was the pain point was calendaring and making sure that there really was enough time between appointments mm-hmm. as opposed to just, hey, it looks like an open slot. I'm going to put it on there. Um, and then for somebody else, it was attention to detail and making sure that the telephone number is correct um, and double checking it, making sure that it didn't change, just really making sure that you've thought through who they're connecting with. So those are things that you just have to ask during the interview process. And because I did interview with other companies and their responses were, oh, well, I never thought about it or my assistant just takes care of it right Mm. in that moment. Yeah, I knew that they had been previously trained to do everything last minute. And that doesn't work for a remote role. I I could not do this. It doesn't matter how good you are. Yep. You you don't have enough time and you're not there to see things going south. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's very real. That is very real. So what about yourself? What questions did you ask yourself um, before deciding to dive into this and and to really know that you would be able to be successful just as an individual? I had heard that working from home can be very isolating Mm -hmm. and lonely. And I had actually listened to a couple other, you know, podcasts and blogs and everything about remote work. So it was something that I was prepared to ask myself. And it's one of the most surprising things about having 
switch to remote is how much I love it. <laughs> I, That's what I hear. People seem to uh, love it. <laughs> I get so much more work done right. um, than when I was in the office because you do have that natural buffer of people not just popping by your desk and, hey, I need this, hey, I need that. Sure. Because it comes through email, because it comes through text messages or you know Slack messages, I get to prioritize it. Yeah. And so I did wonder about okay, what about the fact that I can't go grab coffee, you know, with a coworker real Mm -hmm. quick when I have a break? What about lunches? What about just generally getting outside? And so I did have to ask myself that as to whether it would bother me. And at Mm -hmm. the point I am in my career now, I realized that I had, I had done so much. I had been so present at work for so many years that I was ready to take that next step, which was focus completely during the hours that I'm on. Yep. And then when I'm off to put all of my energy into my family. Yeah. And that was really that big shift that I felt inside of myself that I knew I was ready for. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like it came as a reprieve, you know, I mean, when you've had this incredibly demanding, physically taxing career for so long, as you said, I mean, your career wasn't, was not even a standard as far as like the level of demand. It was, it was beyond (laughs) the level of (laughs) like a a, a regularly demanding role. And so from like that extreme of just having your time be so compressed and accounted for and, and so kind of encumbered to then have like literally the exact opposite. I mean, what a reprieve, you know, like I can imagine that there being like a real sense of relief in that for you, especially, um, it, yeah, yeah, it really has been. And it's also been fun to, to truly practice a lot of the things that I have to say throughout most of my career. I'm like, oh, I, I just don't even have the bandwidth to try to set up a, a protocol, a time management, all the templates that I wanted. It was always, well, if I'm going to do these things, if I'm going to set up these structures, it has to be at night. It has to be on weekends. It has to be during my time. Totally. So coming into this role, I really have needed to set those up. You need to set up those boundaries. You need to really focus on time management Mm -hmm. in order to stay on track. And that's things that I've always, as I said, I love, I love to read. I love to, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely with podcasts and EA blogs, and there's so many great resources out there, but it's, actually implementing it, that in this role, I've been able to almost be that that EA that for so much of my career was hair on fire. There wasn't that opportunity. You really just had to deal with what was right in front of you as best as present. Yeah, totally. Now, tell us the truth. Are you in your pajamas as we're having this conversation? No, I am no. not. And and that is actually a purposeful choice because um, actually of a TED talk that I was listening to a couple of months ago, which was compartmentalizing and time blocking what your day looks like in order to work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things, it, so it's a two part, which is if you were going to get up and go to work, 
you're in your work mode, you're in your work clothes. If you're going to go work out, you're in your workout clothes. And it really does something to your brain to be prepared for that. It's almost as if you're putting on a suit for an interview and those, you know, the new shoes that you've got and really getting yourself into that mindset. You do need to do that and prepare yourself every day. Now, there are some days that I do work in my pajamas because it's feels more like a casual day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do find that I get more done when I, I get up, I prepare as if I was going into the office, I yep. go into my office, yep. I have the time for that. Yep. Um, and then at a certain time, I change into my workout clothes. Yep. I do my workout just as if I was going to at a regular office day. And yep. it takes a lot of time blocking mm-hmm. to make that happen. When I say time blocking, my calendar is back to back. This is what I'm doing now. This is when I take my stretching break. Because by the way, it's really easy to just stay at your desk all day long to not eat, to not take a break and stretch, to not get up. Whereas previously, I was forced to do that with a guest that would come in. You get up, you walk over to the elevator, you walk over to reception. There's a lot more movement. And so in my calendar, I've had to put in, this is when I get up. This is when I will work on emails. This is the time that I have for this particular project. This is the time that I stop because my kids come home from school and I know I'm not going to be focused. Yeah. And then this is the time that I get back on email. And I really have to have that in my calendar the week before so that I stick to it. If I just leave it open, I find it, it doesn't come to pass the way that I want it to. Yeah, totally. Well, there's a real discipline to what you're describing and, you know, like adhering to that structure and having the discipline to adhere to that seems like it's a really critical part of your um, success in this role. Well, we do it for our executives all day long. Mm -hmm. This is what calendar management is, Mm -hmm. is figuring out these blocks of time. And if you don't do it for yourself, you aren't making the things that need to happen that day a priority. You are leaving it up to whatever flood of emails comes in. Thank you for listening to part one of this two-part series. We will return in two weeks with the second half of our conversation with LJ Cohen. So reflect on this episode and stay tuned for the second half. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. You can learn more about Maven at www.mavenrec.com.